Eric, last question though. You, you oh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't realize it. My bad. It's all right. You, you got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the call up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. Another week, and uh, you could say that one of our babies has graduated now into the big leagues. Ellie De La Cruz. Mike made sure he got him in right before he got the call, and he is putting on a show already and just two games in the big leagues. I guess now three as of this recording. Uh, with that type of fireworks to start the show, I'm pleased to introduce, of course, our co host. Mike, Vinny, and of course, our special guest who I'll get to in just a second. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Going pretty good, Mindy. I actually had my back go out earlier today, so I've been resting for the show tonight. Uh, but I'm really happy to have our guest join us with this this week. You know, as I mentioned last year, he was a big influence on me when I got started. And I'm not surprised to see how far he's taken his talent. So one of the more knowledgeable, hardworking people in the space. But before we get to him, uh, how's it going, Vinny? It's going good. You know, we have Ellie Day of the Cruz finally up with the big team. We have college baseball in full swing. Plus, both complex leagues have started this week. There's nothing but prospects and baseball to cover. Now, if I asked, how do you guys feel about the nickname Ellie Belly, like Jelly Belly? And his swing is so sweet. Is that is that a cringy nickname or could it pass? Well, it's solid, but I think there are better ones. He's just such an electric player. There could be something cooler than that. Okay. I will say if I hear Ellie Belly somewhere else, you guys know where you heard it from first. Uh, but of course, also so sweet is the guest we have for you guys tonight. Uh, you guys, if you follow any type of prospects, shows, podcasts, social media, any type of thing, you know, who this man is, he's the founder of the dynasty dugout co-host of the tool shed pod. He also contributes to Fantasy Pros as a featured writer. He also writes for SockProspects.com. Uh, this man's everywhere and anywhere it is. Chris Clegg. How's it going, man? Oh, it's good. Always good to chat with you guys. Uh, it's been fun since back in the day with the triple play shows, like <laughs> way, way, way back in the day. So, you know, that's where the relationship all started and been with you guys a couple of times for the call up. So I always enjoy chatting prospects anytime. So anytime we talk baseball, it's good. But with you three, it's it's just great. So thank you for having me. One of the true OGs. I, I definitely remember us connecting during the pandemic and uh, just back in the old days, man. It's always, it never gets old and it's always fun. And this is definitely right in your wheelhouse as we kind of talked about uh, before the show. And before we get to all the great prospects we're going to talk about, I do want to ask you because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we've had you on the show since you created the Dynasty Dugout. And I know that's that's your thing. That's basically you grew that. It's your baby. And I want to give you the chance to advertise what that is on this program. Sure. So yeah, I've always had a desire to kind of do my own thing. And you know, eventually got to the point where I was like, okay, I feel like I can and do this. So I've got a website now. It's called thedynastydugout.com. I've got all my rankings there from you know, Dynasty top 
500. I've got four different dynasty variations of average OBP points, win now, win later, all the prospect rankings. Like I go way too deep there. So <laughs> I always say 500 and up way past 500. Um, so all the rankings, I do daily written content. So every day I publish an article that kind of highlights everything that happened the day before from now rookie ball. So DSL all the way up to the majors. So that's fun. It's a lot to cover and, and do. Um, but yeah, pretty much, I just wanted to create an environment that was like just a central dynasty hub, with like prospects, dynasty, you name it. And probably one of the best things is our discord too. Like the discord is just full of a ton of knowledgeable people and it's just constant, like good chatter, like people talking prospects, people bringing up names, like, Hey, what do you think about this guy? And I'm like, Maybe I should go watch some film on this guy because like you're bringing some people bring up names. And I'm like, I've never heard of this name. And that's crazy for me to think about because I feel like I'm pretty, pretty knowledgeable. But there's some very smart people in there. So I'm learning every day. And the goal is just to like make each other better at Dynasty. Like that's why I created it was to create a community where we could all be better Dynasty players. And so it's been cool. It's been a lot of fun to see that grow. Been really, really fortunate to have a lot of support with that. And so Six, almost six, I think five months ago I started. I think the first article was uh, January 8th. So it's literally like five months. So that's really neat to see. And so I'm very appreciative of everybody that supported. And if you want to check that out, it's thedynastydugout.com. Is Alec Manoa in there now that he's in rookie ball? <laughs> if he actually pitches, I may write about it. <laughs> This new prospect, everybody, yeah. Alec Manoa. <laughs> uh, so if people are interested, obviously they can check out the website, as you mentioned, dynastydugout.com. Uh, what are, are there tiers that they can look at? Is it just like one uh, price to join? What, what can they get from that? Yeah. So you can sign up for free and get, so basically every article I do is partially free, partially paid. So I'll like today's article, I wrote up 24 players, five write-ups were free and the rest were paid, but it's $7 a month. You can do uh yearly at 77. So you save a, a month's worth. There's also a founding tier, which means like if you join that, you get my live rankings, which that I update like every day. And then also you get to do like a one-on-one video chats. So I'll do video chats with people and discuss their teams and you know, talk about moves to make, et cetera, all that stuff. So that's in the, cool. that's a special in the founding tier. I love it, man. Uh, definitely support anybody trying to, you know, not just obviously have their own type of place that they can do their, their rankings, their, any type of content, but also you've put so much time into this. You definitely deserve to be making some money on the side. I definitely know any spouses out there love to hear that, or you're actually making some money and, and they, you can be like, Hey, it's not just a hobby. I'm also making it a part-time income. So, uh, props to you, my friend. I know you're, you're doing big things with that. And, um, with all that knowledge, you're gonna be bringing it here to the show tonight. As we get to the first segment of the call, we do every single week. You guys know we talk about our players of the week on this show, players that we feel deserve to be shouted out for what they did in their games this past week. Starting off with a very familiar name, a big name in the prospect world, Jordan Lawler of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's going to be part of these baby backs as they are taking the league by storm in the National League. Right now in double A, 196 plate appearances on the season, only a 223 batting average, but he's got eight bombs and 15 steals and a 12.2% walk rate. So there's a lot of good numbers here. Um, and obviously the, the potential here with Jordan Lawler here, Clegg, is uh, top-notch. He's one of the best prospects in baseball. Talk to us a little bit about Jordan Lawler. So Lawler was actually fading pretty hard. Like as you just read the overall stat line, it was mm -hmm. even worse a couple weeks ago. So through May 23rd, that was a near 150 plate appearances. 
He was slashing 165, 299, 339. Five home runs, which was good, but he was striking out 31.3% of the time. He made contact just 68% of the time. So those numbers were very, very bad. But he's flipped a switch on, and he's been a different player since then. So his last 50 plate appearances, 377 average, 429 OBP, 633 slug, three home runs, 10.2% K rate, and 84% contact rate. So that's a jump of about 16% contact rate, and he dropped the K rate 20% in that time. And it is a small sample, so I'm like hesitant to you know, get overly excited about it. And people ask, like, is he breaking out? Like, and I was like, he's already kind of broke out. Like, does this mean he's elite? Like, he's already kind of in that elite tier. But to me, it's like he's somewhere in the middle ground here. Like, I don't expect Lawler to be like a – he's not going to hit 300. That's not the type of player he is, in my opinion. But what Lawler brings to the table – like, and I say this, most everybody knows about Jordan Lawler, but he brings a lot of speed, and he brings pretty decent pop, too. Now, as – Metrics last year weren't great. Like he hit the home runs, but the you know the EVs were just really subpar, which had me concerned. But he made good contact, and it's good to see the contact coming back. And he's got a high floor for speed. So worst case, I really do think Jordan Lawler is just a very solid fantasy asset because of the stolen bases that he provides. But also, he's going to provide some pop too. So even like a low-end outcome for Lawler is a solid fantasy contributor, in my opinion. But the upside is obviously a huge power-speed threat mm-hmm. that hits you a respectable average and solid OBPs as well. I know at the big league level for fantasy baseball, we love players that can steal bags. And I know uh, just reading over just a little bit about him, uh, just what he's been doing through the minor leagues, 39 uh, stolen bases across three levels last year. Uh, so the speed's definitely there. He can make the kind of contact that you're outlining here, Clay. What you say, 84% contact rate. Uh, I mean, that's that's what you want. And he's the type of guy that you know he can slot in potentially the top of that Arizona Diamondbacks lineup. Corbin Carroll's hitting there. Cattell Marte still playing well. Obviously, they have a lot of great studs. Uh, obviously, Drew Jones eventually will be up there as well. But uh, there's so many great young players here. I, I'm excited to see him eventually with the D-backs. Now, there's a couple questions I ask on this show that I'm sure I'll be asking you throughout. The one I will ask you for Lawler is, if you had to guess where you think he could debut, you would think it's probably sometime next season? Or do you think if, if he really starts tearing it up, he could be like a September call-up if the D-backs are contending? Well, it's this year's been a, just so different than yeah. every other year. So I'm not going to write it off completely. Never say never. Yeah. I think 2024 is more likely. Probably like a, I see him as like a, a May call up in 2024. But who knows? Like, I, I've been shocked at the promotions we've seen this year. So it honestly wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they're leading the NL West right now. It's crazy. The Diamondbacks are leading the NL West <laughs> over the Dodgers, Giants, Padres. Like, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, if they think that they need a September push, that it could happen. Mm hmm. I mean, he makes that team better instantly, in my opinion. I mean, right now, Geraldo Perdomo's fine, but it's like, he's just, Lawler's just a, brings a different energy to that lineup mm-hmm. that they, they could really boost them up. So if they're still in contention in September, I think it's a real possibility. It'll be exciting to see if he does get the call then. Uh, Vinny, talk to us about our next player here in Glider Figueroa. I love the first name here from the Texas Rangers, third base prospect. Over the past week, 18 plate appearances hit over 400 with two home runs. And on the season at in A-ball, 
Uh, five home runs, very respectable. Uh, ISO 137. The K rate a little bit high, but obviously at the minor leagues, especially lower minor leagues, players are still developing and uh, are able to hopefully hone on that K rate as they get more used to the each level. Obviously, under 200 plate appearances, so a lot of time there. Uh, so talk to us about Glider Figueroa. And obviously, this Rangers lineup is one of the best in baseball. So I'm sure they're excited for how he's been looking and what he could do for this lineup in the future. Yeah, Figueroa last year was one of the standout stars of the Arizona Complex League. Uh, he got promoted very quickly to low A, had an okay season. Uh, this year started off very slow. In the month of May, he had a 135 average with a 297 OBP and a 231 slug. Followed up May, he started to turn it around. May, we have a 250 average, a 314, 355 slash line. June, it looks like he's all putting it together now. So far in his first five games, he has a 444 average, a 524 OBP, and a 355 slug. Now, with Figueroa, he's a very interesting player because he's still maturing and still growing into his body, but right now he looks like he's more power than contact. I think we're going to see eventually as he starts filling in his body, I think we're going to see that level out. I think he's probably more of a 50, 50 guy for contact and power. Um, definitely. He's not going to stay at shortstop. I know, especially with the other names in that system and just the build of his body. I think he's more better suited for either third base or maybe eventually we see him move to a corner outfield spot. But he's one of these Rangers prospects that I would not be surprised if he really like if he really had a hot streak this season, I could easily see him blowing up, you know, shooting up their uh their rankings, their their team rankings. Cause he's on a loaded roster down there and down east with uh names like Anthony Gutierrez, uh Don Yerqueva, Yasan Moribel, and now uh, Tommy Speck. Speed? Speck? But yeah, it's an absolutely loaded lineup, and he's, he's producing too. And it's, you know, it took him a little while to get adjusted, you know, early season flaws. But looking at what he's doing right now, I think we're on the cusp of a significant June for Glader Figueroa, and then maybe even an even bigger July. Like everything's up. I like his Woba, his WRC Plus is up. The strikeouts really do concern me because he's since coming up to a, you know, above the complex league, he's barely had, this is the first time he's had under a 30% K percentage. So that's something to really watch, but the walks are up. So, you know, there's good and bad takes, but he, this is definitely a guy to watch too. Like if you have like an empty spot, I would not in dynasty. If you're a deep prospect league, I would not mind picking him up and stashing him on the bench mm. because I, I, this guy has some serious power. Like just watching the videos of him hitting baseballs, he just he just has a different kind of power. Now, are you concerned that he needs to put more weight on in order to maximize his potential? Because looking at his bio, it says he's six foot, one hundred and sixty five pounds. That's about what I weigh. Uh, so the fact that he's six foot and weighs about what I weigh is that do you view that as a long term problem unless he starts putting on some more weight? Uh, he's still early. He's just, he's still 18. I That's probably a little off. He looks a little bigger than 165. I'd say he's probably around the 175, 180 mark now. But yeah, he needs to develop the body. The The development of the body is the key to his success because that, that frame definitely has double plus raw power. All right, then let's keep an eye on him. 
uh, Mr. Again, for those missed it, Glider Figueroa, uh, Figueroa, Figueroa, if I could speak, of the Texas Rangers. This is a familiar name as well as I believe he was talked about just two weeks ago. Luis Matos of the San Francisco Giants, actually now up in AAA for those Giants, someone that you might see in the last section of the show very soon here. He's got a 335 average, 403 OBP, and 488 slug on the season. He's got five bombs, 13 steals. The K rate really stands out to you. 8.4% K rate on the season with a 9.7% walk rate. He's really seeing the ball well in the minor leagues here. Uh, Mike, he's a stud. Um, he's somebody I would expect that's going to be helping the San Francisco Giants very soon. Yeah, you mentioned our guest did bring him up a couple weeks ago, and I was actually going to mention him that week, but the guest gets the first say. So <laughs> this is one of the players I've had I've been most looking forward to talking about this season for various reasons. Uh, I'll start by saying I've been a big believer in Matos going back to his time in the lower levels. This is a player that I thought had number one overall potential heading into 2022, and his struggles last season are well-documented at the stage. He hit 211 with a 31% soft hit rate, and then he went to the Arizona Fall League and had a 640 OPS and a hitter-friendly environment. So I get why some people were ready to move on, but I, you know, I can say my long-term belief never wavered. You know, I took him in the tool shed mock and prospect 180p in different situations like that, just to kind of double down on it. And the only the only really question I had at that time was how far could I let him drop in drafts before people would become interested in him. And the main reason simple. It's because the things that make him notable were still there. Like you said, the really low strikeout rate. And obviously any player can become a shell of themselves if they aren't able to function properly because the injuries was a factor. So I was willing to give him a mulligan for last year. This year he's reemerged healthy and looks a lot like the player I was envisioning. In some regards, he's been even more impressive than I imagined. So looking at his scouting grades on fan graphs, they have him listed with an average hit tool, which I think should be adjusted and will be probably to plus. Fringe average raw power, which seems fair at the stage, but I think there's still room for growth there and average speed. So clearly these scouting grades are heavily influenced by last season's struggles. I don't, I don't believe they're accurate representation of his true skill set. Personally, I think he's has a real chance to be like above average to plus across the board in his prime. The thing that stands out the most with Matos, like you said, is that extremely low K percentage. Anytime you have a 21 year old with an under 10% K rate in, in double A and triple A, there's a lot to be excited about. And I think most people see the hit tool as the most important tool. So it gives players a relatively solid floor, but also the foundation to add more power without becoming a liability in batting average. So add in someone like that, this who has shown the ability to steal bases and it's a recipe for success. So as for um, as for this season, I, I can't see how Matos doesn't get at least a late look in the majors to set him up for success next year. I've talked about this before, but I like when teams give their top prospect a taste of the big leagues, even if they don't plan on playing them much. I think that experience is invaluable. You you don't have, you don't want your prize rookie like coming in his first big league camp with his head spinning. So I think it's safe to say I'm a believer in Matos. I'd probably rank him as high as on any list as you'll find. I think he's close. He's got a fantasy friendly skill set and potential for more upside than we've seen in home runs and steals, a power in particular. I still think there's probably a group of managers who aren't really ready to fully buy back in. And I would target him from any player like that in trades. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm pretty high. I'm, <clears throat> I'd probably have him in my top 25 and I don't think everyone's there yet. So that's where I'm at with Luis Matos. 
it's exciting. And yeah, Mike definitely seems higher on him than most. That means you got to make sure you guys try to acquire Luis Matos now before potentially keeps rising up and the price gets more expensive in any type of dynasty league. Uh, let's talk about some pitching. Jackson Wolf of the San Diego Padres here, Chris. Right now in double A, 24 years of age, 51 innings on the season over 11 starts, a 3.35 ERA, a sparkling 0.98 whip. 68 strikeouts over those 51 innings, which equals to a 34.7% K rate. Uh, a lot of things to like here, and he's in an organization that obviously the back end of their their lineup is questionable, to say the least. Um, so Jackson Wolf, what should we know about him? Well, he's a massive human being, first off. He's he's six foot seven. He's listed at 200 pounds, but I'd argue he's a little bit bigger than that at this point. Lefty, he's got like a, a very like Chris Sale-esque arm yeah. slot. So he's way out there, and he's just been stellar, and nobody's really talking about Jackson Wolf yet. And there's not a long track record, but I felt like that with what he has done the last few starts, it was worthy to, to bring him up here. Yeah, he's 24 in A, but again, I think oftentimes we take we, we think too much about age to level and not more context. Because he's 24 in double A because he was drafted in 2021. And, you know, he it took time for him to fully develop. Last year he spent almost all the year in high A and got a taste of double A at the end of the year. And also the Padres could just say, hey, we don't want our guy in the PCL. So let's just let him hang out in double A, see what he can do. And we see once we see enough, like he can come up. Now, Wolf's interesting. Like for a big guy, he doesn't have a, a fastball that blows you away. But he does have a really solid slider, and he's also worked on a changeup as well. There was a nice write-up about him on Fangraphs in the offseason where they had actually interviewed him, and they had really talked about um, his mechanics, the low release slot, his pitch grips, etc. It was kind of fascinating to kind of you know listen to him, or I say listen, but read about him, talk about himself. Um, <laughs> but he talked about the changeup and how he really mixes with the, with the grips. He mixes with really tinkers a lot. And that's what he said. So the curveball, he said, it's going to play well off the fastball in the zone, which is what he really tries to do. So he's like a sinker type pitcher. He gets a lot of movement because of his arm slot. He hides the ball really well because it's that arm slot so funky and you can't pick it up. So even the fastball is like lower 90s, it plays up a bit when you're six foot seven. When you get the kind of extension towards the plate that he does, and he honestly keeps it down, which is kind of interesting. So I think that's. That's pretty unique. So he does it to like, he said he does it to change eye levels of the batter. While most people want you to throw the fastball up nowadays, when you're lower 90s, it, it honestly plays better down. And when you're six foot seven at that release height, it's just kind of a, a perfect mix to throw a sinker down. And so the changeup development is kind of something that is going to be big for him. So I think that's the sticking factor. Like if he can develop this changeup, that runs away from righties, then we're talking about a really solid pitch mix here with a fastball slider curve and change. And I think he's just so unique in you know how big he is, the arm slot, everything that we see from him that I think Jackson Wolf's just kind of, kind of, kind of stay underrated for a lot of his career. And I think he eventually is going to get the call this year because what else they need to see from him? Are they really going to push him to the PCL and just be like, Hey, we're going to throw you the wolves here. I'm not, say that as Jackson Wolf, but <laughs> he's he may get the call straight from double A and I wouldn't be shocked. I mean his last three outings, six innings in all three of those outings, 
He's allowed just one total run in those three. So one earned over 18 innings. He struck out four, eight, and seven in those games. And he is he did not walk any his last game, but five walks for those three games. So Jackson Wolf, major strides this year, big guy, unique stuff. And I mean, really, the Padres could use some pitching help. Like mm-hmm. I think that he's ahead of Jay Groom. Like Groom's already been up and pitched some in the majors. But if somebody goes down this rotation, I wouldn't be surprised if Wolf gets a chance midseason or later. I love the fact that you said he's a tinker. I love the fact that you said he has great extension. And I love the fact that you said he has good deception. Those are, I feel like, three awesome factors at the minor league level. You're willing to try to figure out what works best. You've got deception and then, the obviously, the good extension to the plate, less time for the hitter to react. Those seem like all great things in his favor. Uh, now I'm going to take you for the redraft perspective here, Clegg. Is he somebody, let's say he got the call up next week. Uh, is he somebody that you would speculate on in terms of, Hey, if the changeup's looking good, I, I would spend a little bit of fab on him. Or is he kind of like, uh, maybe, maybe keep him in that streamer category. How high do you, are you kind of on him for this season? He's probably more of a streamer unless you're in like a deeper league. Like if you're in a 15 team and you're desperate for arms, like, yeah, I'd take a stab if he does get the call. But like I say, it's probably going to be a later season. And I'm not sure how many innings he would actually get at the big league level. But if like in an NFBC format where I need a pitching 15 team, you know, 450 players rostered, I might take a shot on him there. So it just, just all depends on where your team is. But I'd say for a 10 or 12 team league, he's probably more of a streamer type. And kind of play matchups, but it'll be interesting. I need to watch a little more of them this year to get a, a better feel. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm certainly intrigued right now. Jackson Wolf, we're excited to watch to see what happens. Obviously, he's dominating down in Double A right now, uh, so it could be not for much longer. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, let's talk about Clayton Beater. And right now for the New York Yankees, double A ball, six innings over the last week, no runs allowed, 11 strikeouts. Yankees are hurting right now in their rotation. Nestor Cortez just went on the IL today. Luis Severino has looked awful recently. Obviously, Carlos Rodon is still trying to work his way back. There's a mess right now in New York. Um, and right now he's in high A ball. So, uh, or I should say on the season from the high A stats at, at 20 years of age, 50 innings, 2-3-4 ERA. The whip's a little bit high, 1.3, uh, but looks like he has some good stuff here with those 63 strikeouts here, Vinny. Um, is he somebody that you think could rescue some of the rotation problems here in New York, and what's the kind of upside this kid possesses? First note, there's a little typo there. He's 24 in double-A. I didn't yeah. catch that. That's my bad. <laughs> Throwing me off here, Vinny. But no, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Clayton Peter uh, have a little taste of the majors here soon. Like, he's been very solid. Like, starting off, you know, he was a one of the uh, com- uh, competitory balance picks for the Dodgers back in the infamous 2020 draft. You know, another stud, you know, pitcher coming out of that draft. Ooh, shocking. But no. You know, he had some okay seasons with the Dodgers, was traded over. Usually we're not talking about Yankees pitchers, prospects. We usually talk about them after they get traded. But this is this is the the complete reverse card of it. But no, Beater is interesting. He can he he has three plus pitches, a fastball, a curveball, and a slider, a serviceable fourth and a changeup. I think his control's a little better than everyone thinks it is. You know, if you look around, some grades will have it from anywhere from like a 40 to a 50. 
I think it's solid. You're looking at easily probably a 50. But like I said, the fastball, the curve, and the slider are what you are paying for. He easily is probably one of the best pitchers in, uh, I think it's the Eastern League right now. But if we're talking about someone who could come up within probably the next two months and you can plug and play, potentially could stay there. I know some people do believe he has reliever risk. Like Clayton Beater's your guy. Like if you watch him pitch, just how he uses his arsenal against batters is phenomenal. Like comparing when I went back and watched video of him this week, watching him compared to like last year, him, it's a completely different pitcher. Like, you know, he, he's worked on his mechanics. He's tinkered with his release point. His arm angle is pretty weird because it's higher than you would expect, but it's still, you know, a pain to catch on with. And you can tell it really bugs some of the left-handed and right-handed batters he faces. But yeah, this is, he reminds me kind of, of uh, current pitcher Clark Schmidt. Mm -hmm. Just that, you know, both of them dealt with injuries causing them to fall in the draft and they almost have a similar repertoire. And there's like the similar questions with them. Like, are they starters or are they, you know, relievers? I think beater, we will see him this year. And I think he'll surprise some people. I really think if he gets called up, he might stay the rest of the season with the Yankees. Hmm. But, you know, it's the Yankees. Who knows? They might send him to AAA. They might not call him up at all. But, yeah, he could definitely help that rotation right now. I think it's interesting with Beater. The the Dodgers babied him so much. He only pitched four. He only completed four innings four total times in his entire Dodgers career over two years. And then he was traded, and all of a sudden he's throwing innings. It's like, what hat? Like, okay, his, he's with the Yankees, and there it's like, okay, 4.2, 4.15. He, the, his last start of last year was five innings. And this year they've just let him go. I mean, he's going into the seventh inning a couple times this year, which is encouraging to see. And he's completed six innings multiple times. So you love to see that. I think there's been major strides. I think you're right. There is some bullpen risk. I wouldn't be surprised if they use him out of the pen this year, but I could see him be built up too. They're obviously building him up to throw those kind of innings that he, cause he's going to reach new heights this year. Yeah. Clayton beater. Again, we talked about in the beginning, the rotation right now is very questionable. Um, so they need arms up there. Even if it's a guy to come in the bullpen, like you, you guys mentioned before, it seems like it, it could be a matter of, of when and not if he comes up this year, if he continues pitching the way he has. So Clayton beater, definitely someone that could be on the redraft radar this season. Mike is feeling very San Francisco gianty tonight because he's bringing up a second San Francisco giant here. And one we've talked about also on the show a couple times here in Carson Wisenhunt, lefty right now in 22 years of age across three levels this season, 44 innings pitched a 184 ERA, a 0.84 whip, 34.7% K rate. Those stats are obviously incredible. And we, as we've talked about him before, he is very, 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 uh, high potential here um, to help the San Francisco Giants team down the road. So Carson Wisenhunt, Mike, talk to us. Yeah, as you said, uh, he's one of the pitchers Vinny highlighted during our FYPD coverage. And as you can see on the graphic there, he's jumped through three levels this season. I always like to see that from a prospect. It shows me the organization likes him. But I also think Wisenhunt was probably too advanced to begin in low A as a college arm to begin with. So he was selected second round, 66th overall by the Giants out of college, and he was considered the top lefty arm by many entering the 2020 
2022 season, but he ultimately got suspended for performance enhancers and he had to sit his final season at East Carolina. The Giants liked him enough to pay him over the slot after seeing him throw leading up to the draft. And looking at his scouting grades, he's listed with a fringe average fastball that sits 92-93 and touches 95, double-plus changeup that produced a 59% swing and miss rate in college, average curve with plus command. So clearly this isn't one of those high-velocity arms that blows people away with the fastball, but his command and elite changeup are his calling cards. So when I do my usual filtering of prospects and fan graphs, the main reason I think Wisenhunt deserves attention is the players surrounding him. A lot of the names we've discussed throughout the season, you know, Sheehan, Ab- Andrew Abbott, uh, Chase Hampton, Connor Phillips, he finds himself around names like that with his performance-wise. His 29% uh, K-minus uh, walk percentage is currently seventh in the minors among pitchers with at least 40 innings. Opponents are only hitting 151 against him, so he's clearly checking a lot of boxes. Really, the only criticism you can have is he doesn't possess the elite fastball, but his ability to pitch and command the zone should make him a longtime major leaguer in the middle of the rotation. Giants aren't exactly loaded with high-end pitchers on the big league club right now, so I suspect Wisenhunt's a significant part of their future. I think it's safe to say he's probably their second-best prospect pitching prospect in the organization behind Kyle Harrison, who is actually overdue for uh, his first appearance on the show. So I think you should give Wisenhunt a look in uh, Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, Carson Wisenhunt, again, if you're mentioned on the show multiple times, it's definitely somebody that the guys are feeling high about and he's producing like it. So make sure to keep Carson Wisenhunt on the radar. Uh, now let's go into the next section of the show, talk about our notable promotions, players that did get the call over the last week and, of course, headlined by Ellie De La Cruz, who, let's be honest, uh, in three games already has a steal, already has a home run, has a ball hit over 114 miles an hour, uh, he's everything that's been advertised and more. Uh, I think they said he had the fastest time from uh, home to third base clock this season. There's so many things about this kid that make him incredible. So obviously he's probably not available in any 12 or 15 team leagues, maybe a 10 team league. If he's out there in any redraft leagues that you're in, I don't care the size. You got to take a chance on this kid. Andrew Abbott, six scoreless innings in his first start, uh, but only 10 swinging strikes over those six innings. And it was against a Brewers team that was the worst in baseball against left-handed pitching. So be in, in redraft, be cautious with him, but definitely somebody that was had great strikeout numbers in the minor leagues. Brian Wu of the Seattle Mariners and Johnny DeLuca of the Los Angeles Dodgers also uh, debuted this past week with their respective clubs. He's actually on the Marlins. I just want to throw that in. I've, uh, DeLuca's on the Marlins now, I think. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, so he's, he's Dodgers. Is he really? Yeah. Okay. I, I must be going nuts. Or, maybe you're thinking of Paul LaDuca. Wasn't I mean, he on the Marlins? I am. <laughs> Throwback. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. I just saw Vlad's tweet about him being in the lineup. He's on the Dodgers. Okay. Uh, Johnny DeLuca of the Los Angeles Dodgers there. Prospect watch players that we're looking at mostly in the lower levels. And right now you can maybe get for a cheaper price here because people might not be familiar or hip to the potential these guys have. Austin Charles, I, I can't remember if you said this while we were recording, Clegg, or you said this before the show, uh, but you brought up this name, Austin Charles, and this was uh, for the Kansas City Royals, somebody that you were very high on, 19 years of age, obviously right now, again, in the lower levels and A ball right now, 455 average, one home run on the season, a 545 ISO, um, but I, I'm curious because, again, I know you were talking about him a little bit before, 
Um, tell us about this kid. This is the first time I've heard of him. So I'd be curious to, to hear your thoughts of what his potential could be. So he just debuted in the complex and he spent two games there and was already sent to single A. So I'm going to see him this weekend. He'll, he's the Royal single A's in Columbia. So it's about an hour and a half for me. So I'm gonna head over there and see him looking forward to that. I didn't expect to see him this quick, but, uh, here we are. So Charles is just like a massive, like physical elite athlete type body. He's six foot six already. He has insanely long legs. He's very quick to the ball. He has a short swing, which I say is pretty good. Like it's shades of O'Neill Cruz, like uh, the body plus athleticism with him. Yeah, he doesn't hit the ball that hard and he could, like he could develop that. But there are some similarities there when you just see the athleticism in the body. I mean, he plays shortstop, but he's probably going to end up moving to third base if I had to guess. Like, few guys that big can play shortstop. And I know Cruz has made it work, but yeah, there was some whiff issues when he was in high school. But a lot of that has to do with just how big he was and how big the strike zone was. And honestly, like, when you're when, when umpires are umpiring at that level with such a big guy, like strike zones are going to be so inconsistent. And as you move up levels, strike zones become more consistent. So a side note with him, but anyway, there's plus power pretty easily. He elevates and lifts it very well. He was off to a scorching hot start, which earned him that promotion. I know it's two games, but he had a triple and a homer in those two. So Austin Charles has been a buzzy name around uh, the prospect community the last week or so. And he was somebody I drafted a lot in FYPDs, just a lot on chance. Like I saw the body, I saw the athleticism, and I saw the power. I was like, okay, like I think this could be something. And like he wasn't, he he was most likely going to school. Like he's a 20th round draft pick. So like I think a lot of people just ignore that when they're like, okay, 20th rounder, who cares? Like, but the Royals threw pretty big money at him to sign him away from his college commitment. And ultimately he ended up signing with them and he's been spectacular i'm ready to see what he can do against full season pitching there's some fun pitching in single a and luis perales of the red sox who's very talented is scheduled to pitch saturday but i'm going so that'll be fun to get some looks of that but yeah austin charles is buzzy he's gonna move up and i'd add him solely based on the fact that there's a lot of perceived value and that's how i play dynasty two is with perceived value so even if he hasn't done much when everybody's talking about a player the value is up so you add them, and then people want them. It's like the FOMO to miss out on the next big thing. So you can always flip Austin Charles and get something for him, and that's kind of how I do with prospects. Like there's perceived value and there's real value, but there's the perceived value always outweighs the actual value. So with Charles, there's a lot of perceived value and hype right now. So I, I suggest getting in on him sooner than later. Now, do you view him like I, I if, kind of comparison that comes to my head is. Uh, I remember, I guess it was the beginning of last year, uh, or maybe even the year before that, when Ellie De La Cruz first came on the scene, it was like, whoa, this guy just like, you know, he, he was kind of a nobody and now he's a somebody and he's going to start taking the world by storm. And sure enough, obviously now he's like the biggest thing in the world. Could this, could Austin Charles kind of be going through that where it's kind of like, okay, like he's got a lot of potential. Like this is a name that's going to be everywhere in like another year and people that just focus on the big leagues are going to even know who this guy is, because he's going to get that type of hype. He could. I mean, it's, it's really early to say, cause it's just two games at the complex level so far. And then he had, that's, that's it. I mean, he had a couple games last year, but I mean, this is, 
the buzzy name right now. And if he performs, so like this is what typically happens when these buzzy names get called up and they perform, then the stock just soars. So yeah, you watch him and it's like there's there's a lot to like. This dude has the longest legs I've ever seen. Like <laughs> his upper body's honestly kind of short for his frame, but of his six foot six frame, he feels like he's long strides and that's kind of what spencer jones does you know people talk about like the le speed and the corbin carroll home to third i clocked spencer jones at 11 home to third in a game here in greenville earlier this year and jones doesn't look that fast but his strides are just so big it's like it makes such a, a otherworldly difference but yeah to go back to your point i do think that with some solid performance in single a and then as he moves up like he's going to be pretty much everywhere I actually have some uh, video of him right now, and I just for the so YouTube doesn't kill the monetization. I don't want to. I'm not going to show it, but uh, yeah, I can. I can see his legs. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. Uh, so that, I, that's a name that I'm be interested to uh, to learn more about as he continues to uh, to do well. Obviously, good start so far, being moved up already to a ball. So keep an eye on Austin Charles. If, if you haven't heard that name, I'm learning it tonight. Some of you may be. So that's a name to uh, to keep an eye on as well. Uh, Michael Arroyo of the Seattle Mariners here, Vinny. Um, right now, only five plate appearances, 18 years of age. Um, so obviously not a lot of stats on him. Uh, but the Seattle Mariners seem like they have prospects coming out left and right. Uh, this is a team that's been really building up through their minor league system. And Michael Arroyo, obviously a long way off from the big leagues, but uh, there's a lot in him that you seem to like. Yeah, Arroyo is one of the bigger name guys from the 2022 J15 class. Uh, very short stature, kind of similar body to Jonathan Classe of the Seattle Mariners. He's, you know, pushing 5'8", 5'9", 160, 170 pounds. But with him, the hit tool is phenomenal for being a 18-year-old in the Arizona Conflicts League. Like, he blew apart the Dominican Summer League last year. Like, the hit tool... I would argue and say it's a 60 grade hit tool. Uh, I saw, um, I want to say it was either the Welsh or prospects worldwide uh, posted video of his game yesterday. And he had a double and watching the ball jump off of his bat. I know, you know, if you look at scouting grains, they don't list them to have, you know, you know, 50, you know, he has power in like the forties, but watching that ball jump off of his bat, I can easily like with the, Body progression, I think he might be able to get into some power there. Like, he's right now currently, like, gap-to-gap power, you know, a doubles machine. He's a little faster than I think people give him credit for. But this is a guy that I – if he's not owned right now in Dynasty, go pick him up and just hold him for at least the rest of the Complex League. Because if he hits there, I think he will be probably one of the top five players when all is said and done in the Complex League. I could see him similar. He's a pretty hot name right now, but he reminds me a little bit of Carlos Jorge of the uh, Cincinnati Reds. Like they're almost kind of the same player, but uh, right now, if you read everything with a Royal, it'll say he's a shortstop, but he's, he's not going to be a shortstop for the future. He's probably going to shift over second base. Defensively, he's sound. The arm is very questionable. And like I said, as he grows, I think we're going to see, you know, at least average power with him. So, you know, we're looking at a 60 hit tool. I believe it's there. A 50 power guy, 
and a 50 speed guy. Like, and if look at the success we just had with Jonathan class a, you know, mm-hmm. he had, you know, he was a, a, a contact guy at, at the beginning grew into power. And now he's, you know, power speed contact guy. And look how he's ascending. I see like a similar path for him, for Arroyo going forward. All right. Michael Arroyo of the Seattle Mariners right there. Lastly, Hector Rodriguez of the Cincinnati Reds in a ball at 19 years of age, a 302 average and 184 plate appearances, nine homers and 26 RBIs. The K rate being under 20%. Definitely. You'll love to see that here. A uh, 418 Woba here, Mike. Uh, you hear a lot about the Cincinnati Red, the popular Cincinnati Reds prospects, Christian Encarnacion Strand, who we'll get to later on, Ellie De La Cruz, Andrew Abbott, Spencer Steer, you know, obviously going into the season this year, uh, the list goes on and on, but Hector Rodriguez is a fresh new name that our listeners can get adjusted to here tonight. Yeah, like you said, surprise is another intriguing and talent in the lower levels for the Reds. You know, that organization's really taken a leap forward in the last year or two. I, I remember saying they were the clear winners of last year's trade deadline with all the upside they added to their system. And, you know, Hector Rodriguez originally came onto my radar coming off his performance in the DSL in 2021. He was with the Mets at that time. And I've had to actually learn the hard way that the numbers in the DSL don't always translate to the higher levels. But he did produce a 301 average with a 12% K rate and a 132 WRC+. plus. So I put him on my radar and fast forward a couple of years and he's basically done what he's doing throughout his career in the lower levels. He's producing, he's listed with a plus hit tool, 30 grade raw power, 40 or 30 grade power, 40 grade raw power and fringe average speed. So on the surface, there's not a whole lot to get excited about from a fantasy perspective outside of his hit tool, but the emergence of his power this season with the nine homers, 254 ISO has me intrigued and clearly he started to get in to some level of power. Um, you know, you, you pair that with the strong ability to make contact and he probably has a little bit more speed than advertised and you, because with the six steals, it shows me there's something there and you're probably looking at a player worth monitoring for sure. It, I mean, it's still a couple years of he's still a couple years away, but I have no issue with someone stashing him in like a deep dynasty league. His lack of high end speed will probably keep his like prospect status somewhat capped, you know, but if he can show this plus hit tool with legitimate pop as he rises through the ranks, there will be a lot of people who are interested in. So long story short, I, I find Rodriguez like among some of the better teenage prospects in a ball. Like he doesn't have the hit tool of like a Gabriel Gonzalez or the raw power of a Theron Lorenzo or the speed of a Carlos Jorge, but the sum of all his parts put him in a group with like notable upside players. And there's still a lot of hurdles left to clear, obviously. And maybe he never, never develops big power or speed, but his hit tool looks legitimate to me. I'd be surprised if he's not able to carve out some sort of career in the big leagues. So that's Hector Rodriguez, you know, stick him on your watch list in shallow leagues, stash him in deep leagues. And you know, the, pr- the price could rise dramatically as he inches towards the upper levels. Like I don't see a lot in his profile that suggests he'll have a massive learning curve moving through the level. So it's really about sustaining this power growth. And I love at the major league level right now. Uh, you look at the Reds infield with Jonathan India and again, CES and Ellie De La Cruz and even Noel V. Marte when he eventually gets up there and Matt McLean. And there's all these guys are infielders and they're, they don't necessarily as set in the outfield. Even Spencer Steer sometimes will play first base. Like he, he's less, there's less road blockage, if you will, in the outfield for the Reds. So I, I do like that also as a better path for him long term. Um, so Hector Rodriguez is definitely interesting here. Uh, let's go to our last section of the night. Who's next? This is calling our shot. 
who we think is going to be called up to the show by our next episode. Clegg, this is actually uh, Colton Cowser, I think is at least once was called on here. I know he was hurt for a little bit, um, but th this is it. This is the time Colton Cowser is going to join the Baltimore Orioles and be a big part of a team that's really surprising right now with their record. 347 average, eight home runs, 31 RBIs, 343 ISO, or 243 ISO, excuse me. Uh, he's ready to you, right? He's The Orioles need to call this guy up. They sure do. And, I mean, they are third best record in the AL. Just unfortunate that the Rays are in their division, and they're six and a half back to a team that's 46 and 19. I mean, that's just insane. But I think the Orioles are built to contend, and I do think that Colton Kowser – is going to be a massive part of that. This outfield's just kind of meh outside of Cedric Mullins, who is hurt right now. So that obviously is a big deal. That he has a strained groin. Not sure how long he will be out with that. And I thought so. I I believe that if Kalzer was healthy when said would have first went on the IL in the end of Arian of May. If Kalzer was healthy, then I think he would have gotten the call. But instead, they've grabbed Aaron Hicks, who is. <laughs> just oddly enough, started like the last five games over there in center field. I mean, he's fine, but Aaron Hicks just isn't really cutting it anymore. And I do think that Colton Kowser is inching very, very close to his major league debut. And I think it's going to happen, we'll say, within this next week, because obviously we're calling our shot for that. <laughs> so you've got an outfield with Aaron Hicks, Austin Hayes, and Anthony Santander right now. There's a spot for Kowser in this lineup. He's absolutely smoking the ball right now. Hits the ball hard. He makes good contact. He's got elite plate discipline chase rates. Like everything you want to see, Colton Kowser has it. And he has all the makings to be the next and another high-end Orioles prospect to come up and perform. So I am very excited about Kowser. And I think it's it's here. Like his time is now. Are the Orioles like the Diamondbacks of the American League? They're getting there with all the talent they have. I mean, they yeah. haven't been in the past, but the talent's just so immense. Like, you've got Jordan Westberg sitting there, who I think they're going to trade. So, like, everybody's, like, clamoring for Westberg to get called up, but he's not on the 40-man. He's more valuable not on the 40-man if you're going to trade him because then a the team doesn't have to make another roster move to adjust. So, mm -hmm. I would – I'd be shocked if Jordan Westberg's still on, in the Orioles org by midseason. I think they're going to trade him for an arm. But I do think Kowser uh, is one that stays in the org and is up soon. So we will see, though. That's calling two shots right there. Kowser and uh, that, West, that Westbrook won't be with the team. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on both of those. Um, all right, Vinny. Zach Juloff of the Oakland Athletics. Triple A numbers, five homers, 287 average, 15 steals. Uh, the Oakland A's obviously need ball players, So definitely um, you would think that they would bring him up at some point. Uh, hopefully it's within the next week as you're calling here a 16.2% walk rate. Um, it looks like he could slot in immediately in this lineup and it would be an immediate upgrade. Yeah. Let's start off with this. The Oakland athletics are 14 and 50. And that's after, didn't they win like three out or two out of three against the pirates in their last series? Yeah. They almost swept. Uh, yeah. And they almost swept the Braves. Jeez. Yeah. It's crazy. We predicted they'd break the all time record for losses. They will. Yeah. But no, 14 and 50, you have guys like Tony Kemp, Jace Peterson, you know, Edley, uh, Aledmiz Diaz, they're all batting under 230. 
Call up Zach Galloff. Call up Tyler Soderstrom. Impact that. That's what you need in this lineup. And Galloff, I guarantee you, if Galloff comes up, he's probably staying the rest of the season. Like he's one of those guys that's had a lot of, uh, you know, had a lot of hype the past couple years, kind of in his uh, prospect fatigue phase right now, just because of how bad Oakland is, and everyone just really doesn't want anything to do with the team in general, especially their prospects right now. But no, he's going to be a solid everyday, probably going to be a third baseman, but he can play second base. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him, you know, in, in an outfield spot too. Like he's very versatile. He could potentially be a decent power speed combination player going forward. I know uh, just looking at his numbers this year, like we're, you know, AAA does have more games played than all the other levels, but we're looking at 15 stolen bases right now through 191 plate appearances. Remember, we have the bigger bags up in the bigs now. The home runs are looking pretty good, too. The average is looking good. He's cut down on his strikes a little bit. You know, he's walking more. Like, it does not hurt to call up a prospect to help your big team, especially before you're about to leave for Vegas. So I'm calling Zach Goloff. I'll also sprinkle in maybe we see Tyler Soderstrom, too. Maybe the A's become competent and do it. But, yeah, Zach Goloff is a guy, especially right now, I don't think he's rostered anywhere. I wouldn't mind picking him up and sitting him on my bench for – redraft and dynasty Zach Geloff of the Oakland athletics Mike I'm going to set the stage last week you said Ellie was going to get the call and he did you're going to the other Cincinnati red we've been waiting for Christian Encarnacion strand of the Cincinnati Reds I, I, I mean if you pay attention to prospects you don't even need me to read his note you know he's absolutely destroying the baseball 15 home runs a 349 average it always pains me because he was a former Minnesota twin and given up in a Tyler Molly trade that made absolutely zero sense to me. Um, so Christian Encarnacion Strand, Mike, this is the time. Yeah, I believe so. So I, I, I'll start by saying I was planning to talk about Kowser this week, but Chris made a great call, so I shifted gears to the next best option. I, I'll start by saying it's not particularly hard to identify players who statistically deserve a promotion. The hard part's predicting that it will happen in a specific week. You know, the last two weeks I've nailed it, which is my longest streak ever. So I wanted to keep it alive outside of Kowser. I just don't think there's a player in the minor leagues more deserving of a shot in the majors. So since coming back from early season injury, Encarnacion Strand's done everything you want to see from a slugger. He's he's already hit 15 homers, as you said, and he's kept his ISO consistently above 300. But the part that most excites me is that he's reduced his K rate to a career low 22% at the highest level of the minors. And uh, as I mentioned last time when we, when we talked about him, there's very little doubt about his profile. Like the, the game power is plus he's got double plus raw power and he won't be a stolen base threat. So he's also below average defensively at third base. So it looks like he's a future is at first base DH, but I think he can make that work. Um, especially if the strikeouts aren't, aren't too high. So, so now that McLean and Ellie have both made, got their feet wet recently, I'm predicting this is the week we finally see in Canastion strand join them. I suspect when it happens, he'll be placed in the five or six hole of the lineup, but I could easily see him becoming their cleanup hitter once he settled in, assuming they, they're interested in moving Ellie to the three hole, maybe. Either way, just like I, I said last week with Ellie, like I can't really see in Canossian Strain playing better than he has been in AAA. He's done everything the organization could ask from him. And even if it doesn't happen this week, I'd be shocked if he's not up this month. You know, I, I, I'll close with like this situation does show why I've always had such a hard time predicting estimated time of arrivals on players. Like, 
We have a 24-year-old coming off a big breakout season, killing it this year, and he's still in the minors. Meanwhile, you have someone like A.J. Smith-Shaver jumps from high A to the majors as a 20-year-old in about six weeks. So good luck figuring all that out. But (laughs) CES time's upon us. Like I think he's going to be at least worth playing in your corner infield spot this year in redraft. He could very easily be an upgrade for some people at third base where where he has that eligibility. And, you know, with the reduced strikeout rate, that only increases the likelihood that his average won't be an issue. So this is this is a legit 30 home run bat in a great hitter's park over a full season. So let's make it happen, Reds. You heard the man. Christian Encarnacion Strand is your time. As well as Colton Kalzern, as well as Zach. Uh, was it Jell? I, I said it, you said it the first time and I've just... Yeah, uh, there we go. Came to me. Uh, that's going to wrap us up here for this week of the call up. Clegg, thanks so much for joining the show, my man. Uh, please plug where they can find you on Twitter, of course. Plug the Dynasty Dugout. Plug anywhere you want your listeners to find you or your work outside of that as well. Sure. Well, again, appreciate it, guys. Always a blast. Good time talking prospects. Find me on Twitter at Roto Clegg. Everything is pretty much posted there. There's try to tweet prospect information all day long and film and all that good stuff. But uh, the dynasty dugout.com find most all of my written work. And then the tool shed pod as well with Mr. Eric cross. You won't find many people, if any, that have as much prospect knowledge as Clegg. So make sure you guys, obviously if you're watching on YouTube uh, and you want to get more access to some awesome prospect knowledge, follow Clegg on Twitter and check out all the work that him and Eric do. And obviously these two as well, Vinny and Mike, every single week, you know, they crush it. You know, they bring you guys the good. So make sure you're following them at Down on the Farm 8 and at MP Richards 1981. But for Chris, for Mike, for Vinny, I'm David. We'll catch you guys next week on the call up.